Welcome back to the Retail Maverick Show Uncut with me, Andrew Busby, your host, and I am at the Retail Technology Show, and I have bumped into um, a great friend of mine, um, formerly at the, the co-op, and I'm sure he'll say, talk about that, what he's doing now. Um, welcome, Steve Leach. Hi, Andrew. Good to see you again. It's been too long. It has been too long. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Um, Let's, let's talk about, I wanted to, to ask you, uh, you know, why you're at the show, what you're you know, looking forward to. Yeah, that's no, fine. Um, I, I've, I've been along to the show many times. I think it's a, it's a must attend in the, in the retail calendar to try and keep abreast of what's happening in the market. It's a really great way of networking, seeing old friends, um, making new ones, understanding what the latest trends are. I, I guess I'm particularly interested this year on two things, uh, AI and the advancement of technology uh, and how that's applied into retail. Yeah. Uh, and then really the environmental agenda uh, and how that's influencing retailers to think and behave differently. We were chatting about yeah. Mary Portas. I, I love the, the description and the example she gave of the uh, Patagonia campaign around Black Friday in the States with a, a do not buy it uh, pulse campaign in the uh, in the window. So rather than advertising some something for sale, their campaign was really innovative and original, saying yeah. don't buy it, reuse and recycle. Yeah, so yeah. It's uh, it, it's really great to to see what's what's on show. So we should probably. I was talking um, earlier actually, and we came out in another another episode. I was talking to Ian Scott, and he did a retail safari with some folks uh, yesterday. And he went to a uh, number of different places. Um, Souk, uh, we talked about Selfridges, and then there's another one that I'm sure Mary would love, and that's um, just off, I think just off Oxford Street. Uh, it's called Are You Mad? Or Are You Mad? And apparently, what they do is they, they they're really really into recycling plastic okay. and making all sorts of objects out of that out of that recycled plastic. Uh, so be, and and I think that's almost that's kind of getting into the, the sort of Gen Z, Gen Z, anyway, uh, the zeitgeist, if you like, of yeah. what, what they're, um, they're all about. Well, I've, I've got two, two teenage daughters who are definitely huge into that space, and I think their, their loyalty to brands is hugely predicated around the sustainability and impact on the environment, carbon footprint, so I think it's really interesting. I've I, I missed that. I was following part of Ian's safari because I think when he, he was posting on LinkedIn really, yes I really yeah, yeah. cover about a shop front that was advertising yeah uh, an empty unit but doing it in a really innovative way which really caught my attention so well there are plenty of those down Oxford Street well yes I mean it's, it's or American candy stores <laughs> well I, I, I've got a real affinity with Oxford Street after spending three or four years in the MS Marble Arch oh right the one that they're trying to knock down Absolutely. Oh. So it's it's really interesting. I think that should you know it's like it's like saying well we're going to knock down Selfridges because it's too the building's too old. Uh, I've got a bit of a it's, it's interesting. I've got a slightly different view. I'm more good. I'm more positive to what the team are trying to do there because I've, yeah. I've got a different perspective after after spending three very happy years in, sure. in that building. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think as, as we both know, look, 
um, flagship destinations need really strong, thriving anchor tenants, and that combination yeah. between yeah. M&S and Selfridges, yeah. in, the, in the good old days when I was there in the mid-90s, that was a license to print money with the tourist trade and people in there um, yeah. every week. Yeah. And uh, I've got really fond memories of that store. And, and actually, I, I fully back what Stuart mentioned and the team are trying to do there, uh, because I, I think it's a, it's a really interesting debate that brings in many sides of the, of the several arguments. But I, I think it's the, it's the right thing. And uh, yeah. you know, rebuilding anchor tenants and, and making it a destination compared to the... Well, that's a good point. Yeah, because I mean, I did a, a bit of a um, retail safari a uh, few... Uh, Weeks back, a couple of months ago, actually, I think, and I started at Oxford Street, you know, Marble Arch, yeah. and just walked the length of it to Top Court Road. Um, Ian did a better one actually recently, and he, he took pictures of all the American candy stores. Now that was a, I don't know if you saw it, but that was fascinating because there's somebody who chipped in on that, who who has got links, I think, to Westminster Council or maybe yeah. it was the, the um, uh, new Bond Street, new new West End Company. And they were actually calling it out for what it is, you know, money laundering, which I thought, wow, you know, so that really is a, uh, uh, but yeah, so I do get kind of what you're saying about the regeneration because that's possibly needed badly. Yeah. I think part of that debate has always been around pedestrianisation and, and trying to work on uh, what could be done differently to try and regenerate that. So interesting. Yeah. And, and when I was there, that was really strange. So I hadn't been there for quite a while. So I get up the tube at um, Marble Arch, come out, and it, it's, it was almost like it was semi-pedestrianised, all the way down to Oxford Circus. But you couldn't walk down the road, I and mean, there, there's no buses, so that's great, because I, I thought this was going to happen with the Elizabeth line. Yeah, the Elizabeth line, I don't But then there'd be this random taxi or a cyclist. So it's like you still had to look both ways if you're going to cross the road. So it was kind of like, you know, I thought, well, you can't be half pregnant. Either make it pedestrianised or, or, or don't. But... Uh, I did see some plans. I think, yeah, it, hopefully. I mean, the, the potential's there, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there's some, there's some really fantastic case studies around the UK of people that have done it really well. I mean, I, I've literally worked all over the, the, the country in my retail career, and I spent a very happy year as the manager of the M&S in Altrincham. Yeah. And Altrincham has, has done a really terrific job of regenerating itself with... It's a, a real destination just outside of Manchester. Some fantastic yeah. places to, to shop and eat. It's pedestrianised, it's really embraced all the different concepts. Well, a lot of wealth up in that area. Hail. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, is. Like that. There, there, there is. But, um, you know, and, and when I was there, that was that was definitely part of the demographic that we had to apply to. But I, I think there's... The, when you reinvent the town, you need something that's innovative and that draws crowds in. So whether yes. it is yeah, yeah. Uh, regeneration or pedestrianising the high street or bringing in different tenants or food offer, I, I think you know that we, yeah. need, we need some more case studies like that. And Oxford Street would be fantastic if we could get that formula right, given its, it's importance yeah. to the tourism trade. I wonder whether, because I've never, I'll be honest, I've never really taken too much... Uh, pay too much attention to um, space management. I thought, oh, yeah, it's a bit of a you know, backwater and all that. But I, I'm kind of thinking, actually, space management and the people in that particular trade, if you like, that should be front and centre now for all town centres. And you know, because to your point about making destination, I mean, take take this place. So we're at Olympia, and you know, place is practically falling down. But it's being rebuilt. 
and I saw the plans uh, years ago, and they're going to have, I think, two hotels, offices, huge retail uh, park presence, uh, loads of hospitalities, if you've got bars and restaurants and so forth, and of course the conference. Um, so, to your point about destination, I mean, this place, I think it's in 2025, maybe? Um, it's going to be an amazing uh, place. And, and of course, then you've got um, uh, Battersea. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you've been to the power station. I've, I've been to Battersea, absolutely loved it. I yeah, mean, what, yeah what me fantastic, too. Fantastic, iconic retail flagship destination. And that, that's, yeah. that's another really, when we're talking about case studies, that's a, a really terrific one that's got a really nice mix of great transport links, iconic architecture. The brands that have gone in there are um, high end, but there's a real mix. Uh, but again, that said, the, the MS in there is one of the best MS I've seen with the latest food store concept. And it's a, it's a great day out. And if you, you, you can go there, get really good access to it, loads yeah. of ideas and inspiration, and back out again. I think it'd be really interesting to try and see what other brands go in there because Battersea will only survive and thrive if it attracts the right mix of retail. So again, yeah, back to the Oxford Street. There's quite a lot of luxury in there already. Yeah, what watches, jewellery. Yeah, certainly. absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of aspiration, but yeah, again, it'd be interesting to try and see in five years' time. Yeah. If that has been maintained to protect the footfall, or whether it, it, you know, there's a chance. See how much graffiti there is in five years' time. Well, no, <laughs> absolutely. I guess if it's Banksy, it'll draw more people in. <laughs> um, so, what I wanted to uh, uh, to ask you, Asha's going to say because you know I mentioned the uh, your battery uh, co-op. I know you're not not there uh, anymore, but we had Chris Conway. Who's e-commerce director? That's right. Yesterday he was talking about yeah. getting uh, being more creative with cost reduction and so forth. And he was talking about the convenience. Sort of before we get on to your thoughts more generally about retail and what excites you and, and perhaps you know what depresses you about uh, retail. So I wanted to ask you about the you know the convenience store format because what I'm understanding from listening to retailers is that kind of post-pandemic that behaviour is still lingered on. In other words, with the cost of living. Um, people are convenience is really almost coming into its own. So there's more frequent trips, smaller basket size. So it's kind of counterintuitive because the price points on convenience is um, you know, a different point to uh, you're going to a mainstream supermarket. So I just want to get your views on views on that. So I think the pandemic changed the game really from a convenience perspective and. In, in my retail upbringing, I, I, I've got told, I think, during my centuries days, that a consumer only has to do something three times before it becomes a habit. So right. every time I opened the store, we'd have money off vouchers for three weeks in a row to try and persuade somebody to change their allegiance. <laughs> I, think, I think the pandemic has changed the game, and it's great to see the convenience industry thriving. I think a lot more people yeah. have fallen in love with the little and often shopping, yeah. uh, and particularly in the really challenging economic times it gives people an opportunity to only buy what they need when they need it i think what really surprised me in the latter stages of my time in convenience was how much money people would pay for fast delivery and, and people that would literally be maybe a third of a mile away from a convenience store and yeah. pay over uh, even inflated prices to have it delivered to them with one of the, the express delivery sites. Yeah, it's, is there 
um, do you think that's a generational thing, or is that is there something else going on? Because yeah, I'm saying because you've got BP partnering with Uber, and and you've got obviously Uber Eats, you've got delivery, you've got this, you that, and so a convenience store is expected to for you to be able to go online yeah. and purchase and maybe pick up in store or not, uh, and then yeah, get to get things delivered. I think it's partly generational. Uh, right. Again, with with my two daughters, I was chatting to my youngest daughter last night who was running late with a, an exam deadline and tea for that night was a delivery that she'd ordered on the fly coming out of the art studio where she was really? busy finishing off oh, some work. Right. So I, I think it is instant convenience yeah. linked to the phone. I, yeah. I think partly generational. Yeah. But there's a lot more people that were using the services than to just the young given the proliferation of, of competitors in that market and how quickly they've grown but I, I think it's really interesting to try and some of the operational challenges that those guys have had now the pandemic has ended people haven't got the same disposable income and what's yeah. every pound yeah. so I think that will level out in time and I think it will be survival of the fittest of those mm. operators that are able to deliver Fantastic service. I mean, I've listened this morning very interestingly to the Screw Fix Sprint. Oh, right, yeah. So, uh, really, really fascinating discussion this morning about how they can guarantee delivery within 60 minutes. Yeah, so, right. Um, and 95% of the UK population live within a 20 minute drive of the Screw Fix. So, so you're, uh, you're a plumber or you're a sparky or whatever, and you suddenly need something that you didn't anticipate. You just go onto them and they... Absolutely. Yeah, makes so, perfect sense, doesn't it? Fastest delivery in seven minutes, average 47, guaranteed yeah. within 60. So you, you don't have to leave the job if that comes to you. And that's a, that's that's, a really yeah. that's a really clever way, from yeah, my point is, of view, yeah. to be able to exceed a customer's expectations exactly. in that scenario. So I think that's that's a great example around how the, the delivery services in convenience have proliferated yeah. into the DIY sector and, and moved at pace. Yeah. And... So we was running digital for screw fix game, a really, really excellent overview of, of how they've delivered that. Right, yeah, yeah. Listen, we've got a minute, we've got under a minute. Uh, and as we know, this is 15 minutes tops. So um, so that was something that uh, really excites you about um, uh, retail. Anything that we can carry on about stuff that excites you or stuff that doesn't necessarily uh, depresses you? All right. I don't think it's anything that really depresses me about retail. I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've I'm with you there. My 32-year yeah. career, I think the challenge, if I was going to end on a challenge, is how to try and balance the customer experience with colleague welfare. And I'm, I'm encouraged yeah. by the focus on mental health right now. Yes. We shouldn't underestimate how difficult it is to get that winning formulation back. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're just about out of time, but I think that's a brilliant way to to end it. So Steve, thank you so much. No, it's a pleasure. Good to see you again.